1: Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. Previously on the Colonial Parkway Murders, Part 1.
0: Three days later, on Sunday evening, that car, a Honda Civic, was found off the Colonial Parkway. It had been rolled into these bushes, almost into the water.
2: Rebecca Andowski and Kathleen Thomas, two haunting names never forgotten by people in Hampton Roads. They're
0: the first two victims of the Colonial Parkway murders.
2: Me and one of the other detectives found David about 50 feet down, I guess.
0: She had a beautiful smile and a loving way.
2: I won't ever stop. This is very important to me and to my family. Typically what the FBI will do is the investigative uh, agent will, will text me and say can you please call me and I'll know they have some news and we're talking a lot these days and I'm thrilled about that. He doesn't leave his truck unlocked. Yeah so September 20th 1987 it's almost a year David Nobling who's 20 and Robin Edwards who's 14 they're found shot to death about close to 30 miles 25 miles away at a place called the Ragged Island Wildlife Refuge this is um, uh, on the James River Kathy and Becky's were found on the York River uh, da- David Nobling's uh, pickup truck is found at a parking area at the wildlife refuge the bodies are found three days later in the water um, sadly by David Nobling's father, Carl, and investigators who were searching um, the Ragged Ragged Island Wildlife Refuge.
1: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Who Killed Amy Mahalovic? I am your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a podcast that takes a deep dive into cases you may not have heard of and others that you may have. This week's case is part two of the Colonial Parkway murders. I am joined again this week by Bill Thomas, the brother of Kathy Thomas, one of the first victims in the Colonial Parkway serial killings. Bill is very open and knowledgeable about the case. As a brother of one of the victims, he is honest about the feelings that he has about the investigation and how things could be handled. And just a quick refresher, the Colonial Parkway murders were a string of serial killings that occurred in just a three year span from 1986 to 1989 and remain unsolved to this day. This is a case with many ups and downs, suspects galore and coincidences that just cannot be explained. So join me and Bill Thomas this week for part two of the Colonial Parkway Murders. Thank you again for joining me this week. I am going to resume my conversation with Bill Thomas about the second couple that was discovered in the Colonial Parkway Murders that occurred between 1986 and 1989. So, Bill, what was the second couple that was discovered in the Colonial Parkway serial killings?
2: They discover Robin and, and David's bodies. It appears they've been in the water for for the three days since they had gone missing. Both of them have been had been shot to death. Um, they think that David may have uh, struggled or broken away because he's he's shot in the shoulder and then finished off with a kill shot to the head. Forgive me for being graphic and Robin is also shot in the head, and um, the, it appears that David and Robin had met that night and had gone out with um, a cousin and other friends to the movies and an arcade, and on the way home from uh, the evening out, David and Robin, who did not know each other very well and had just met, um, it was kind of drizzling, and so some of the guys were in the back of the pickup truck where it was drizzly uh, red, and wet, And but Robin was inside the cabin of the truck, so it appears that as they drove home in uh, David's pickup truck, it appears that David and Robin made plans to meet up later, so David went home with his brother and uh, dropped off the other kids, and then it appears that Robin snuck out of the house, which she'd done many times before. And they had obviously made plans to meet up and they end up (coughs) across the river at this ragged Island wildlife refuge, which is again, like the colonial parkway is a place where people are known to go to go parking. It's also a place where people are known to do like low level drug deals, like score some pot, that kind of thing. Um, And (coughs) It's interesting. We start we just dis- we describe these people as couples, but you'll start to see a pattern emerge here. The truth is, the only serious couple of the four is actually Kathy and Becky, the lesbian couple, the, right. my sister and her girlfriend. The others are really almost like you know eh, traveling companions, or or it's a it's a one night stand kind of thing. I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying. We say couples a lot, but they weren't like serious couples. They were people who were together for that evening. Now that case, by the way, is a Virginia state police case because it happens off the Colonial Parkway. Um, and is, is actually in the, in a county called Isle of White County, but Isle of Wight County's Sheriff's Department at that point is so small and has such limited resources that they don't really uh, investigate murders. Uh, So they ask the Virginia State Police to step in and handle the case from an investigative perspective. So the first case, Kathy and Becky is FBI. The second case, almost a year later, is, is a Virginia State Police case. And at this point, no one's connecting the 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 first murder and the second murder these are, are viewed as independent events
1: so the the two cases they considered they don't at, at so so basically what you're saying what are you refer referring to is they're not they're only saying that it's there are they not there's
2: little or no them? there's yeah they're they're not connecting them and there's little or no coordination between the FBI and the Virginia state police and the Isle of Wight Sheriff's Department.
0: Did uh, they? It's
2: not until the next...
1: I was going to say, did they, did, did, was it did they were not even aware of your sister's crime?
2: I, 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 can't, I can't say for sure, but I, okay. I know the level of coordination was, and information sharing was not high. And at my understanding from media people and investigators is no one made the connection at that point. It's not until the following April, now we're up to April 10th, 1988, uh, two young people go missing, and they've never been found, so we assume that they've been murdered. This is um, Sandra Haley, who's 18 years old, and Richard Keith Call, he goes by Keith because his dad is Richard, who's 20, are college students at Christopher Newport University, um, in Newport News. They are reported missing after going to a party um and missing curfew. He was supposed to have her back by I think it's two o'clock in the morning, which kind of makes me laugh because I when I think about myself as a younger man trying to get a girlfriend home in time for you know, so her parents weren't too upset with us. Right. Um Keith Call Keith Call is driving a like a rust red uh, nineteen eighty two Toyota Celica. And the car is found on the York River on the Colonial Parkway. Now we're back to the Colonial Parkway. The car is found abandoned along another one of these little pull-offs along the York River. It's just a couple of miles away from where Kathy's car had been found a year and a half prior. And it's a very similar kind of little half-moon grassy pull-off next to the Colonial Parkway. The car is very obvious. You can see the car from the road. And as a matter of fact, uh, Keith's father, Richard Cole, actually saw the car the next morning. He was a a foreman at the Bush Brewery um, and he's on his way to work the following morning. He actually pulled over and stopped. And when he saw Keith's car there, with the door partially open and his recollection is that he got out of the car and looked in their vehicle, the Toyota, and didn't see anything out of the ordinary. Um, and, but they're not there. And there's some articles of clothing inside uh, the, the vehicle and uh, uh, other, uh, one of, one of um, Sandy's boots, shoes, it was the 80s. Um, it is found in the car. But oddly, when Mr. Call stops by the Toyota at the pull-off, he looks inside the car, and his recollection is that he didn't see those articles of clothing in the back seat and the shoe and so on. And so there's this odd um, uh, inconsistency between what Mr. Call re- recalled seeing, and what law enforcement later um, claim is inside the car. Um, as a matter of fact, Mr. Call was troubled by this for the rest of his life. He, he died quite young, uh, as did his wife. Um, they were terribly troubled by what had happened um, to Keith. And uh, the FBI it, it is the lead agency again, because now we're back on the Colonial Parkway. So we've gone First case, FBI. Second case, Virginia State Police and Isle of Wight Sheriff's Department. Third case, now we're back to FBI and National Park Service Rangers. And they begin exploring an idea, which seems ludicrous in retrospect, that Keith and Cassandra had gone skinny dipping. Uh, this That's makes very little sense to
1: what any of the families.
2: This, this is early April water temperatures are in the 40s. The car is found at a, at a place that's kind of high above the river, say a good probably 25 or 30 feet down a very steep rocky path down to the surface of the water. Um, there are places within a few hundred yards in either direction where you could park a car and, and, have a, and hop down to a, like a sandy beach area so even if you were drunk off your butt and decided to go on uh, a, a kind of bizarre um, uh, excursion into the water at uh, sometime between one thirty and two o'clock in the morning, um, there are easier ways to do it. On top of that, Keith and Cassandra, Sandy, are on a first date. He had just, was taking a break from his longtime girlfriend and had asked out uh, Sandy, uh, you know, to movies and this party. Um, they're on a first date. She's a very strikingly attractive young woman, but is considered modest uh, and not wild by her sisters. She's very close with. Um, they said they could not see Sandy getting naked on a first date with this you know, cute guy that she'd met in class who had just broken up with his girlfriend. And then by all accounts, people that were at the party that night at this Christopher Newport um, University, there was an apartment complex there um, at this keg party, they reported that uh, Sandy and Keith didn't seem to be spending a lot of time together. There didn't seem to be a lot of uh, you know, uh, much of a click between the two of them. She spent the evening talking to her former boyfriend at the party, and he spent a good portion of the evening kind of crying on the shoulder to another mutual friend about his recent breakup with his girlfriend. So, you know, they left the party sometime around one or one thirty in the morning to get her home. I think it, off the top of my head, I think it was a 2 a.m. curfew. And then, oddly, the Colonial Parkway murders Uh, or rather the Colonial Parkway itself, is not on the way home to her parents' home where she lives in Grafton, Virginia. It's out of the way. So it's it's further odd that Keith's car ends up on the Colonial Parkway, a place he didn't particularly like uh, because it was very dark and spooky at night, and a place where Sandy's sisters say that she probably would have refused to go. So there's a good chance that Keith's car is found on the Colonial Parkway, but that perhaps Keith and Cassandra never made it as far as the Colonial Parkway, and it is very odd that um, the parkway isn't even on the way home between Christopher Newport Un- University and Grafton, which is uh, where he's supposed to get her back by 2 o'clock, his commitment to her parents. He- so in in this third example now we have we two people disappear so we don't know now they've never shown up and i think it's pretty safe to say that they're dead but um we don't know how they died so then you move forward again now we're back to september so three of the four uh double homicides occur in the same six week back to school time frame the the fourth couple Uh, go missing over Labor Day weekend. Their names are Anna Maria Phelps, who's 18, and Daniel Lauer, who's 21. They disappear while driving from Amelia County, Virginia, down I-64 en route to Virginia Beach. And they're not a couple either. Uh, Anna Maria had been dating... Daniel Lauer's brother, Clint Clinton, he goes by Clint. Um, so they were essentially traveling companions, and they they go missing along I-64, which is more of a major highway, um, and uh, Daniel's car, which is a, a gold 1972 Chevy Nova, kind of a beater. Um, but you know, functioning fine is found abandoned along I 64 in a place called new Kent County, which is pretty rural, um, at a rest stop on the wrong side of the road. there are two rest stops on I 64. They're kind of on either side of this divided highway. And, um, most people know it now as the Virginia welcome center, um, and there's a very distinctive lo- love, love, um uh, sculpture there that a, a lot of people know. Um, the car is found on the wrong side of the highway. In other words, they're driving from Amelia, Amelia County down to Virginia Beach where they had moved. The car is found on the opposite side of the road, heading back as if you were driving back from Virginia Beach up towards Amelia County, up towards Richmond that way. Um, so the car is facing in the wrong direction, and they're nowhere to be found. Um, the car has uh, items uh, that were um, clothing and other items that they they had in the back seat that, that they were using you know to move. Um, down to Virginia Beach, they're bringing some more items with them, Um, personal effects and that kind of stuff, you know, in garbage bags. Um, And, um, but they're nowhere to be found. The car is, is, uh, is very odd. It's parked on the truck acceleration ramp of the rest stop as far away as you could get. From the buildings that would, you know, be the rest stop where the restrooms and vending machines and that kind of thing were. There are, there's no video surveillance back then. Uh, again, this wasn't a, an era where there was a lot of uh, video surveillance, as we see more of that kind of thing now. But it appears that the car was parked in, the, in a way to be as far away from the buildings as possible. And then there's this odd detail there where a, a roach clip with feathers on it, it was, again, it was the, it was the 80s, um, is very prominently placed in the window of the car, um, and law enforcement takes it as a taunt. It's kind of a very in-your-face thing. It's not a, it's placed in a way that it's designed to be actually in your face as you walk up to the car. So uh, no, An- no Anna, no Daniel, It's not until six weeks later that their bodies are found um, in a wooded area. It's about a mile away as the crow flies. It's hunters, uh, turkey hunters are are, uh, hunting in a preserve that's shared by a group of hunters. It's a private place, uh, privately owned, Um, about a mile away, and it would be one exit further uh, towards Virginia Beach, so original direction of travel, but off the road and down a logging road so you, you you'd go one exit further south uh, of the um, uh, I guess you'd put southeast of the um, of the rest stop, pull off drive over the highway. Um, And then you'd have to know where you were going. This isn't a place you would just stumble upon down an old logging road. And then the bodies are found side by side um, under a blanket, which was taken from Daniel's car. Um, And unfortunately it had been very, very wet and the bodies had been um, uh, messed with by wild animals and that sort of thing. Uh, The bodies were in terrible shape. It was actually very difficult to determine cause of death. They ultimately the the bones were sent to the Smithsonian Institution in Washington D.C. and the institute people, uh, in analyzing them, found nick marks on the bones. So they feel that it's likely that they were stabbed, Um, but uh, cause of death was was indeterminate. Now this fourth case, we're back with the Virginia State Police because New Kent County is very rural and at that time doesn't even have a police force. So they they didn't even have a sheriff back then. So the Virginia state police take over the case. So now we have two FBI cases and two Virginia state police cases. And then to further complicate things, the two Virginia state police cases are handled by separate Virginia state police offices. Um, So it's, it's only, you know, when we get to the third couple, the disappearance, Keith and Cassandra, that they begin to realize they've got a problem um, with people missing and murdered. And then of course, by the time we get to the fourth case, um, they, they recognize that they may be dealing with a serial killer or killers who are preying on couples. And again, I use that term loosely. Um, the, they're not really couples, couples, traveling companions, what have you people in cars um, along this Tidewater Corridor um, uh, along the Colonial Parkway and I-64. And then at that point, the murders appear to stop. Um, There are other murders that take place um, of individuals that could be be potentially related. Interestingly, we asked the FBI at a meeting in 2010, um, and we received a direct answer to the question. We asked them if there's anything in the forensics that links the four Colonial Parkway murders. And at that point, they were going back and reexamining the case after the families put pressure on them. Uh, The FBI had lost control of 78 highly graphic crime scene photos, which had leaked out to the public. And the families were very upset about this, obviously. Mm -hmm. And we had had called out the FBI publicly about this. And they actually did react. Um, And I'll be honest, I quarterbacked that strategy to pressure the FBI. And um, they did. Put resources back into the case, but we asked them: Is there anything in the forensics that links these four double homicides? And at that time, uh, the answer was no. the The circumstances are there. You know, it's couples, cars, isolated rural locations, rest stops, lovers. You know, potentially lovers' lane um, situations. Um, no robbery. No sexual assault based on what we know you, you remember we don't have bodies and sometimes the bodies aren't in great shape limited sign of struggle um, uh, all of these places are places that um, someone might might stop to engage in sexual activity or perhaps to make a low-level drug deal or or or, or what have you um, I, I want to be clear here I'm not Criticizing any of the victims, I feel like the eight victims of the Colonial Parkway murders, as near as I can tell, were just young people doing young people things. Um, I don't think they were doing anything, you know, horribly inappropriate. It is possible, even though we say that they're not couples, it's possible that some of them were engaged in sexual behavior of some sort um, and might have been surprised or approached and. It's certainly possible that they were um, approached by someone that they saw as non-threatening, like, like we talked about a few minutes ago, Bill. The um, mm-hmm. uh, the authority, the authority figure theory.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially since these are couples, and you know, they're basically whomever is uh, doing this is able to control them. So, if, yeah, it's, if yeah. it's one individual guy, then. You gotta assume that he's using a gun or something, but none of these people were shot, either, were they? I mean, well,
2: no, no, no. It's funny. the 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 first couple, Kathy and Becky, are strangled, ropes cut, diesel fuel used. Second couple, uh, David and Robin, from Ragged Island, they're shot to death.
1: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp online therapy. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. And let's not forget about the doom scrolling, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, undereating, or overeating. I like to think that I deal with my stresses by taking a little bit of mindfulness each day. And I do try to make it a point to focus on myself. Because stress shows up in all kinds of ways. And in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less, and grind all the time, here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy. I've personally been in therapy since I was a child, and I would suggest it for everyone. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's so much more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Who Killed Amy Maholovic listeners. Get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash who. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E lp.com slash who
2: third couple Cassandra Sandy uh, and 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 Keith they go missing we don't have any bodies we don't know how they died fourth couple Anna Maria and Daniel they disappear along I-64 bodies are found six weeks later in very tough shape Um, it appears that they a knife was used so the, the method of killing varies quite a bit. It is possible that if this is one perpetrator or even two, they might've used a gun to establish control and then switched over to the knife or other, other method of killing.
1: Yeah. I mean, you just got to figure that there's some way that he's controlling the scene because again, he, I mean, he, yes. he's also approaching them in, circumstances that their guard is down to. So. Yeah,
2: exactly. And if you think about the parking thing, it, 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 that's entirely possible. If for instance, let's just say people that people are pulled over and they're um, listening to music or making mm-hmm. out or maybe smoking a joint or whatever, all three, I don't whatever. know up on them. And then it's, you know, sort of a blitz attack and they, you know, they're suddenly at the car, Car door, or or they approach as if they're um, law enforcement, and and I'm not saying they are law enforcement. They might just have a light on the dashboard or what have you. And I I can picture myself as a younger man uh, in situations like that. That happened to me once or twice, where you know you're spending time with your significant other. You know you're. I was there with a girlfriend. It happened more than once. And, you know before you know it, there's a rap on the window, and a cop is telling you to you know Get button up. it up and, yeah. and, and you know move on and you know you're kind of embarrassed and you know you're like, ooh okay, you know <laughs> and so if, it, you know it, it, luckily in in the situation I just described, it was a legitimate officer who didn't mean us any harm but just wanted us to move it along yeah. but it, you know it happened a couple it happened a couple of times and it happened to lots of friends of mine.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a common thing, especially, you know, when you don't have any other place to go as a teenager or a sure. college student. I mean, why wouldn't you go? I mean, we have, well, and... in Cleveland, we have the Metro Parks, which are basically a green space for, I mean, it's huge green space, but it's absolutely where one would go for that type of thing so it's absolutely and, it's and people know people know that yeah i mean if you're driving and through, these,
2: these places are that
1: and i guess if you're parked i mean you could just pull up right behind somebody and you really you're in control right then and there because they can't move were they ever yeah did they ever did. get tire tracks or anything like that
2: they did they did look at those things and you know they, they were they were Uh, you know, the, the, the elements complicate things, uh, you know, there was rain and, and, uh, you know, I I remember they were looking at the the muddy tire prints, um, in Kathy and Becky's example, you you know, and in several of these examples it's days or weeks before the bodies are found. So that that's a further complicating, uh, factor. And, um, water enters into into probably three of the four it's only the fourth example where they're found on the land away from the water that's the that's Anna Maria and Daniel were found um, in this off this old logging road the others are, are all uh, on the York and uh, and James Rivers and it's possible, for example, in the third example, the, um, Keith and Cassandra who go missing, that perhaps their bodies ended up in the water of the James River. And the, you know, the James and York River uh, are, are are deep and powerful. There are United States Navy ships sailing up and down the the, uh, the York River. There's a nearby uh, facility where explosives, including nuclear weapons, are loaded onto U.S. Navy ships within sight of the, uh, the, these pull-offs along the parkway. My point is the rivers are very deep um, and wide at that point with a strong current. Uh, and so it's big enough to sail a, a massive United States Navy ship um, up the middle of that river um, so these are not, you know, some small little tributary. These are these are big rivers flowing out towards the Atlantic. And a lot so of. So it's possible, underwater. for example, that yeah, it's possible that Keith and Cassandra, if they were murdered somehow, their that their bodies were were placed in the water and that they might never be found. This does happen.
1: Yeah, especially I mean, again, with that particular type of river where there's such a constant flow. I mean, they would have it wouldn't have taken long for them to get caught in that. And then eventually the chances of them being found after just a day or two would have been slim and none. I mean, that's at least my, Sure.
2: I mean, you know, again, law enforcement dragged the river and looked um, uh, for the bodies and, and for evidence, but you know, they were unsuccessful. Um, But, you know, one of the things I asked the FBI at a meeting a couple of years ago was, you know, about the relationships and one of the things they said was what are the chances though that four double homicides are going to happen under similar circumstances in a relatively short three year period in a relatively compact area if you use the colonial parkway uh, murders site where kathy and becky's car was found and then where keith and cassandra's was found a couple of miles away. If you use that as the center point, it's about a half hour at night in either direction to the Ragged Island Wildlife Refuge uh, where David Dobling and Robin Edwards' bodies were found, or about a half hour in the other direction to where uh, Anna Maria Felt and Daniel Lauer's bodies were found. But if you use that center point, you know, it's still in a relatively compact area. And they said, we just, as they said to me at that time, couples homicides are rare. Lovers Lane homicides are rare. And they just, they said, we just think it's extremely unlikely that, that several, if not all of these murders are related. Um, Now there are individual suspects for some of the, um, some of the murders. you know, there are people that have relationships or former relationships with you know, one or more of the individuals. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um, so it is possible that, that, you know, as I, as I've said, one of these murders, it when solved could fall off the table and not be related to the other colonial parkway murders. The, The term colonial parkway murders is a media creation, local newspapers and radio and television began calling these murders, the colonial parkway murders. Um, and but you know even at at its most basic, only two of the two of the cases even happen on the Colonial Parkway.
1: That's so it's just so weird that they would. But I mean, it's it's sort of one of those like uh, it's easy for people to to latch onto that name. And I mean, if they're going to give it, yeah. A,
2: and actually, that was that was probably okay because you know it's it is helpful to have a handle, if you will, because we did feel that you know, we needed to put some pressure on uh, law enforcement to put resources into the case. And at least we had, uh, you know, a name. Um, It's funny, we've actually pushed back on something. Some people refer to this case as the CPK case. This is online, uh, the Colonial Parkway Killer case. And we feel very strongly, we don't think that we should be focusing on killers here. We think we should be focusing on victims. Now, we may be the, the, the family members of eight murder victims, and so we have a strong feeling about this, but Colonial Parkway murders is something that um, local media created, but when the families at different times have referenced the case, we've always tried to refer to it as the Colonial Parkway murders to make it clear to people what it is we're talking about. And... Um, we've worked together, I think, pretty effectively to, um, try to put pressure on FBI and Virginia state police to keep working these cases and, and trying to tell us, you know, who killed our loved ones.
1: Yeah. And do you have any, you know, after being embedded with this for Thirty-two years, and much more so in the last decade. Do you feel like you have an idea of who this person possibly could be, or are you just as much in the same like same field as the authorities, and the you're still waiting for that, you know, piece of DNA to be tested, and or or do you feel like well, you have an idea, or I, I, I you know,
2: the FBI and Virginia state police have put forward different uh, theories and, and there are competing, uh, you know, theories on, on who this might be. Um, I, I personally, uh, my pendulum has, personal pendulum has swung back and forth several times between these four double homicides are all related to some or all of these murders are not related. Uh, these days, I kind of find myself back in a um, a, a mix. I, sometimes I use this analogy. When we were kids, we used to study in math class, and they would use something called an overhead projector. This sounds like it's no, I I, now. I I remember it, this. You know, yeah. Well, for the benefit of your younger listeners, you know, it was it threw a white shadow up on the wall, and the math teacher would be would be could write things on this, this clear plastic sheet, which would then throw them up on the wall for all to see. This is, again, before video monitors and all that stuff. And sometimes in math class, we'd be sorting out um, like and not like things, you know, triangles or circles or it didn't matter what it was. But, you know, you were trying to group things. And so you might be sorting them by color or shape or size or mathematical value or whatever it was. But one of the things that makes me think about the Colonial Parkway murders is I think the Colonial Parkway murders, there are patterns here. They're just not immediately apparent. In other words, I'm not sure it's a straight up one, two, three, four kind of relationship. And there are these other murders that took place uh, around the same time that are somewhat similar, but they're of individuals and not couples. But the I think there are patterns, but I think we may end up like that overhead projector where you've got overlapping circles. I, I, I think there's something there. I don't think they're all unrelated, but I don't know that it's a, such a straight, linear sequence of events. Um, there's a fifth murder of another le- couple, another lesbian couple I
1: was gonna ask um,
2: you about in 1990- 1990 in 1996. So this is fully 10 years after Kathy and Becky are killed and 180 miles away. So it's in a whole nother part of Virginia up in the Shenandoah national park, but note the fact that it's a national park. Um, uh, Two young women, Julie Williams and Lolly Winans are murdered over Memorial day, 1996. So it's 10 years after Kathy and Becky are murdered, but they're murdered in a very similar fashion. And the FBI even said in interviews, which they don't do a lot of, that they were looking at substantial similarities between the murder of Kathy Thomas and Rebecca Dowski and Julie Williams and, and Lolly Winans. As a matter of fact, I've met recently with a reporter named Kate Miles, who's working on a book on the um, on the Julie Williams, Lolly Winans murder to, to compare notes. We've, we've talked numerous times and met, Uh, at our house up here in Connecticut um, to compare um, her research and mine um, on the cases to see whether they overlap. And there are a lot of really strange overlapping aspects, uh, particularly to Kathy and Becky's murder and Julie and Lolly's murder. You've got, uh, you know, lesbian, outdoorsy, athletic women killed in the national park on a three-day holiday weekend using very similar techniques. I don't think we have to get too graphic this time around, but, you know, using knives and, 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 um, but the, interestingly that's also an FBI case because if you have the misfortune to be killed in the national park, your murder investigation is handled by the national park service police and the FBI. They have jurisdiction. Um, it's a different FBI office. Here we go again. (laughs) It's the Richmond FBI office, but they have a theory and a suspect, but they've been unable to prove that their leading suspect um, is, uh, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. I think it's the court standard um, is the responsible party. But that murder is strikingly similar to Kathy and Becky's murder. I'm not saying it's related. I don't know, but, like I said, you know, that whole math class thing, I think there were relationships here, but when you start grouping the the, the murders, I think there's overlap, but I don't think it might necessarily be uh, quite so straightforward as, as these, here are a sequence of murders and this is how they took place. It is quite possible that any one of the Colonial Parkway murders might've been committed by someone else um, and it 's just <clears throat> coincidental to the time frame of the of the other murders
1: so you 're not hundred percent convinced that they're all connected, but you do think some of them are connected
2: yeah that's that's kind of where I am these days
1: and that's kind of a fluid thing and
2: though. it's funny I, we, yeah, and we we continue to receive tips. I received a tip last night from a, from a woman. I've tried to make myself very easy to find Mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, as I mentioned to you, I I have kept the same email address and cell phone number since my first cell phone and first email address. I've had, you know, other work and other email addresses, but I, I kept my uh, contact information the same for all these years to make myself easy to find. You sort of, you have to get around the fact that Bill Thomas is a pretty common name but I I try to make myself easy to find Uh, for years when I lived in Los Angeles, when I commented on, um, you know, internet sites, newspaper, radio, TV, I would sign, you know, Bill Thomas, comma, brother of Kathy Thomas, comma, Colonial Parkway murders, Los Angeles, California. I was, I would sometimes even put my email address in there. Um, I, I, I've tried to make, Myself and uh, the family is easy to find, but as recently as last night, a woman was messaging me on Facebook, asking me if I'd ever heard about a particular suspect, and it was all new to me. So what I try to do is gather that information and then provide that to the FBI. I don't pretend to be an investigator, but given how long this case is dragged on for, I do try to insist that people talk to the families first and law enforcement doesn't like this and I don't care. Um, when you have a case that's dragged on this long, um, you know, on some level we're going to handle things our way. Um, but then I, you know, I, I do try to put some notes together and turn it over to law enforcement, the FBI specifically, and they can follow up as they see, um, fit. But, um, You know, people continue to come forward we have we just crossed over 7000 likes and 7500 followers on our Facebook group. We talk about the case and other related topics um, on a Facebook page we call Colonial Parkway Murders. Um, I'm working on a book now on the case. We are shooting a television show this fall, which will be on the Oxygen Network next brain uh, which will be all about the colonial parkway murders um uh, and i'm thinking about maybe doing a podcast
1: (laughs) (laughs) you'd be uh, be a welcome a welcomed addition uh you know and and so with with all this stuff that you're doing and you know in the last 10 years you've obviously become a bigger part of you know the investigation and and keeping the pressure on i mean is doing these interviews and doing these television shows, which I mean, other than the obviously solving the case, but you said before you're not an investigator. So at the end of the day, the end goal is to keep the case in the spotlight.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I see myself as an advocate. I'm the brother of a murder victim. My sister, Kathy uh, was a wonderful, amazing person um, an incredible pioneer, um, and, and just, you know, the best my family had to offer. Um, and I think
1: what's your myself favorite? And my two of brothers,
2: oh my gosh, there's so many. Uh, you, one of the things that's been great about this case actually, and there are good things is a couple of years ago, the FBI asked me to reach out to, uh, Kathy's classmates from the Naval Academy to talk to them about um, some issues that had come up in the investigation and they asked me to go back. And so I was tracking down Kathy's classmates from the Naval Academy and you know these are amazing women. And remember this was in the second class with women at the Naval Academy at a time when women were completely unwelcomed at the service academies. Um, but one of the great things that came out of it was in addition to talking to these amazing women who've gone on to do great things in in the Navy and Marines and elsewhere, um, was tracking down, uh, you know, these friends. They also told me stories, things that I'd never heard before. In other words, when Kathy went away to Annapolis to go to the Naval Academy, she was following in the footsteps of my, my dad, Joe Thomas, who's class of 53, my older brother, Richard, who's class of 75. So he's six years older than Kathy. And then Kathy's in the class of 81. But we obviously weren't there when she was there. So she would tell us stories when we'd see her on on weekends and when she was on leave and that sort of thing. But when I tracked down these friends, I heard lots of extra stories uh, and really just fun memories. And so, you know, uh, the Navy did not make these young women feel welcome at all. And the upperclassmen who actually really run the Naval Academy, right um were p- particularly um horrible to these young women who were entering the service academies for the first time uh, the the previous class um, of the one of the last class uh, of where it was single sex is a class of, of 79 it's not lost on any of us that their Latin motto you know each year the class Classes at Annapolis Choose a Latin Motto, their Latin motto was all male. Mm. Uh, And they, you know, these guys were unbelievable jerks and were absolutely horrible, and I'd say that to any of them. Um, They were absolutely horrible to these young women, made them feel incredibly unwelcome, and actually, there were people at Annapolis, including officers, who actually tried to drive these women out of the service. Um, and I won't dance on that. Remember, I come from a Navy family. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Kathy was one of those people that helped keep other people's spirits up um, during a really difficult and dark period in our in the Navy and Marine Corps history. And so the stories that make me smile and laugh were, you know, Kathy, you know, had this expression, suck it up, buttercup, um, which she would to other women at the uh, at the academy when they were under this horrific pressure um, uh, to just you know to stick together and they actually tried the class of eighty one tried to prevent more women from being pushed out and dropping out and they actually set a goal which they did not achieve of uh, having eighty one women graduate uh, in the, in the class of eighty one but the um, it, it those stories about you know the things that kathy did and said to help her friends women and men get through a, a very challenging environment at the united states naval academy make me very proud
1: thank you again so much for listening to this week's episode the colonial parkway murders part two if you have not subscribed yet to who killed amy Maholovic, please do and as a reminder this is an independently produced podcast so if you'd like to help keep the lights on and the recorders running, you can support the show by clicking the donate button on the right side of com, or via the Venmo app with my username at BillHuffman3. Any amount is appreciated, as it does, as I mentioned before, keep the recorders running. If you want to stay up to date on the case, you can follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3. So anyone with information can call their local FBI branch or email it to colonial underscore parkway underscore murders at ic.fbi.gov. I will put that on the show notes. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. That will help support the show and help keep the causes that I do support in the spotlight. Anyone with information about Holly's murder is asked to email or call the Hampton County State Police Detective Unit 413-505-5993. I will also provide the email in the show notes. People are also welcome to text any information to Crimes, which is 274-637, with the subject line, Solve Holly Peranian." A $40,000 reward is being offered for information leading directly to the arrest and conviction of the person or persons responsible. If you have any information regarding the case of 16-year-old Molly Ann Bish, you can call the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI. The Massachusetts State Police is also looking for information and they can be reached at 1-800-808-9677. Don't forget... October 27th will mark 30 years Amy Mihaljevic's case has remained unsolved. So anybody with any information, please contact the Bay Village Police Department at 440-871-1234. The FBI is offering a reward up to $25,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the individuals responsible for the death of Amy Rene Mihaljevic. Stay tuned for part three of the Colonial Parkway Murders next Friday. Thank you again so much for listening, and in the meantime, be safe.
0: See terms and conditions. 18
2: plus. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me Would you care about how I got them back? Download American Vigilante now.